0: Thanks for listening to the Providence Community Church Podcast. We hope you've been inspired today to love Jesus more deeply. For more information and other ways to connect with us, you can visit us on the web at providencecommunity.org. But, uh, so good uh, to, to be with you all and, uh, and to cut loose with you this morning. It's one thing to celebrate uh, a team winning a game. That does not matter for eternity, right? Uh, but it's another thing to completely Uh, go berserk for what does in fact matter for eternity and and here we are on the day where we celebrate uh, Jesus died but he rose again and so uh, this is why we've gathered today and so this morning I want to speak to you uh, and here's what I I, uh, was really feeling on my heart to to speak to you all about here right up in the very uh, front but I want to tell you all this morning that God has compassion on you and that he sees you right where, you're, right where you're at, and I feel like he's led me to a passage of scripture. It's actually the book of Matthew, chapter 27, starting with verse 15, if you have your Bibles. If not, it'll be on the screen. But he's led me to a passage of scripture that I believe is really a, a, a direct assault on what's been plaguing your walk with God. I think I feel like when God looks on you, he sees compassion, and instead of resisting you and running from you, he literally wants to run towards you and he wants to help you. Uh, this is the heart of the Father, so he's a good dad. So uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 27, starting with vif- uh, verse 15, and you can put your finger there, we're going to be at a couple other places, um, but uh, I was realizing that i have been following Jesus for 33 years of my life. When I was, in s- when I was seven years old, at a Brethren in Christ Church. Uh, I gave my whole life to Jesus. Uh, I wasn't so young that I didn't know what I was doing. I knew that Jesus uh, was better than the life that I was experiencing, and I could hear him and sense him knocking at my heart's door. And from that moment, I gave him everything I've got. Uh, and it's been a wild ride. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 90. I'm 90 years old. Did you know that? <laughs> I look really good to see what Jesus has done for me. You see this? Uh, actually, I'm 40. And so, yeah, well, actually, I told you, if if you can do math, 33 plus 7. All right. But uh, there's a lot to celebrate uh, uh, today. But I want to tell you that even though I've been following Jesus uh, for 33 years, there's some mistakes that I've made along the way. And, uh, and one of the things that I want to do uh, for you this morning is I want to share one of the ways that I feel like I've missed the heart of God in my life, that if I could go back and do it again, I would make sure I had this thing right because it's, it's, uh, it's plagued me and haunted me. And I know that I know. I'm friends with so many of you. I know that I know that too much of the, the, the residue of what I'm going to talk about is still in us even though we love Jesus. All right, have you ever been there? Do you know what I'm saying? You've, there's stuff that still kind of plagues you even though you want to follow Jesus. And so here's what I'm saying. Here's the, the, one of the biggest challenges that I faced in my life as a Jesus fo- follower is what I'm calling uh, a performance approach to life. And specifically a, a, a performance approach to Christianity, to following Jesus. Um, this performance approach is where I compel- compare myself to others and their successes and their accomplishments or their failures and their weaknesses, and whether they're better than me or worse than me is how I feel about myself, okay? So this performance approach where I compare myself to others and either feel better in my pride or worse in my insecurity. And it's really, it's really uh, hard to be around a person that is pretty fantastic at something that you want to be fantastic at. And many times we, uh, we, we distance ourselves from those people instead of being in their presence and letting, us, uh, letting them challenge us and rise up into maybe who God is calling us to be. But often we find that when we're around somebody that's better than us at a place where we want to be, we distance ourselves and we love to stay with people that are worse than us so we can feel good. Right? Maybe I'm way off here. All right, that was not convincing. The... the uh, uh, it's so easy that the, the kind of drift that we get when we don't know who we are, we have to have the world tell us who we are. And so we drift into places and we find ourselves in, uh, in this performance approach where the world is telling us based on your performance or not. L- let, me, let me give you a, an example. Um, I was at the YMCA a few years ago. And I was uh, playing basketball with this guy that I don't even know his last name. I just know he's from Brooklyn, New York. All right. I know he's probably got a knife on him wherever he goes. All right. Let's be honest. Uh, and he's—I just know him as Big Mike. I know him because he and I would would always be on opposite teams, and I'd have to—I'd have to pound the post against him all the time. He usually beat me. He's Big Mike. He's from Brooklyn. Uh, and I liked the guy, and I wanted to become friends with him, and I found out that he was a, uh, a bas- or he, he is a basketball player. I found out that he's, he loved the guitar, and I like to play the guitar. I play a little bit. There's another guy in my life that he liked the guitar, and now Big Mike likes the guitar, and I like the guitar. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get us all together, and we're going to go to Lynx, downtown Hanover, and we're going to play the guitar together. And so we walked into Lynx this one day, I set it up, and we walked into a room where there's amps everywhere and there's guitars everywhere. And I remember I picked a, uh, an American-made Fender Telecaster Semi-Holo, All right? so a dream guitar, anybody else, right? And I picked that one off the, the wall and we plugged it into an amp and I, I handed it to Big Mike. And Big Mike was like, no, Nathan, you set this up. You play the guitar first. I was like, no, Big Mike, I, I, I'm excited about you. You're better than me. Uh, why don't you play the guitar first? I was like, okay. And he began to, uh, I don't really uh, know what this phrase means so much, but he was like, do you, is it, am I using this right? He was a savant, all right? He took the guitar and was like, he was just, he was, uh, he was playing up and down the neck. And he was one of those guys too, that he was kind of like speaking to the guitar. He was like, you know what I'm saying? He was just like, he was telling the guitar what to do. This hand, that hand didn't matter. I was sweating at this time. Now I'm watching this guy, I'm like, Wow. Big Mike can really play. He tries to hand me the guitar. I said, no, no, Big Mike, you keep playing. And, it's, and he does. Wow! He's getting into all kinds of things. He tries to hand the guitar to me again. And I said, no, no let's hand it to James. James is my other friend that I brought to the guitar place. He hands it to James. James does something very similar to Big Mike, and he just, he just completely annihilated that instrument in the best possible way. James, though, he even st- thro- started throwing in some octave things. You know what they do? They kind of, they're not pushing down the strings, but they're making it kind of, kind of ring and chime in ways that I didn't even know what to do. <laughs> and now I'm thinking my, myself, to myself, oh myself, Oh no. Um, now it is definitely my turn. How am I going to get out of this? Because, guys, listen to this. I don't know what I'm doing on the guitar, okay? Uh, I can play a few chords. And so I'm, I'm feeling the, the weight of inferiority around these guys. They force the guitar into my hands. And so I'm, try- I'm thinking fast. I'm thinking fast. I take the guitar, and then I just begin to examine the guitar like I know it. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, whoa, and I take it, and then I act like I'm gonna play it, but I don't, and I re-examine the guitar. I'm like, wow, do you see that? Do you see that? I, I'm still, I'm, I'm screwing, I'm asking for Holy Spirit inspiration on, on how to not play this instrument in front of these guys, and so what I did is I picked it up, and I began to smell the guitar, all right? Wow. There's no lie, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, and they're looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, it's, that's a good wood. That's rest. It's. it's probably mahogany, all right? Probably mahogany. So I took the guitar then, and I just, it, it, it went in doubt, go to a G chord, right? And I just uh, strummed out the G chord, and then I did this. I don't know what that means with the guitar, but I just kind of did this to the guitar, and then I smelled it again, and I handed it back to Big Mike, all right? And say, like, I'm so out of your league, I'm not even going to, Right? Right? <laughs> But I remember, guys, listen, a G chord's all I've gotten. When I'm around people that actually know the instrument, it is easy for me, if I don't know who I am in Jesus, to feel like I'm a lesser person. I think so many of us, what we, the only kind of life that we know is we know the kind of life where we have to figure out how to hide our inadequacies from others. We only know that kind of life. We only know the kind of life where we see that people are better than us, so we try to make it look like we're not as bad as we actually feel. And this is bad enough when it's, when it's with human beings, when it's with people. Um, my wife is, is a runner. And uh, last week, she says, Nathan, where's your, where's your old backpack? I said, it's behind my door upstairs in our room. Why? And she, cut, she straps it on. She says, I'm running to Target. I'm like, we're three miles away from Target. She goes, I know. <laughs> she runs to Target. She comes back with groceries in the backpack. And then she does another mile and a half. Three plus three, that's six. And then a the mile and a half, that's seven and a half miles. I'm married to you. Are are you disappointed in that? You know, it's it's how I'm feeling. And so, so many of us, we compare our weaknesses to other strengths, and it gets rough. It is a whole new level when this is how we feel about God. I think so many of us, the only kind of Christianity that we know is like the American Idol or the voice kind of Christianity where we feel like we're on a stage and God is a judge and we're just trying to get him to turn his chair. God, do you, do you hear what I'm doing? I'm trying my best. I'm not a savant. I'm not James. I'm not a runner, but maybe you could like me a little bit. Could you turn your chair? Jesus, maybe, maybe. And you got your, your family cheering for you in the back, but all you feel is the inadequacy when there's no chair turn, when there's, when there's no applause from the crowd, when you have to walk off the stage and say, I underperform. But the, the Christian life and Life as human beings, God did not set up to be like American Idol, where we have to ask ourselves, "Am I good enough to get a chair turn? Can I make it to the next round? God wants you to know, you can make it to the next round. This is not a performance. It's not a performance. But the result of this type of thinking is the breeding ground for religion, where in the church, you just have people trying to outcompete each other with good deeds. Good works. Paying for somebody at Starbucks, pass it on, feeling better about yourself. This, the result of this type of thinking is, is a church and a society operating in and approaching life from and with a ton of rejection. And I think that is one place. You can't, sometimes you, you, it's hard to walk into a room. It's hard to sit in a place where there's a big crowd because you feel rejection screaming at you. You say, I did the best that I could out there but I didn't get a chair turn. I really messed up on the high note and that haunts you for the rest of your life. Uh, And where you begin to listen to voices that scream at you from the inside that say, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm, I'm suggesting this morning that this type of living this type of, of living with rejection, this type of living with self-loathing, this type of not good enough mentality, this, this type of living the church has tried its best to make spiritual. The church has tried to wrap a theology all around it. But if the Bible says we are made in the image of God, we're not worthless, friends. And the, 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 we've, we've tried to make it sound spiritual to say, I'm nothing whatsoever. But too often how we feel when we approach God is this. And we don't see him as welcoming. We see him as the guy who would turn for us. And we just wonder why our life isn't making sense. Guys, can I give you a revolutionary realization this morning? And this is really what changed my life. This is what I wish I knew when I was seven years old and I gave my life to Jesus, but I didn't know this. Here's a realization that God led me to in his word, and we're going to get there in just one moment. But here's the realization that God is not sitting in a chair uh, uh, watching or listening to or evaluating our performance. Here's the reality that he already wants us. He already wants us on his team. He, already wa- he, he literally wants us in his family. He wants us at his table. The invitation has gone out a long time ago. We're trying to perform our way in, but he just wants us to receive the invitation. The real problem, the, re- the real issue, the real question is not does God want you, but do you want Jesus? Is the real problem. This is is what we we make Christianity all about, trying to perform for God so God will want us. God is saying, and that's religion, God is saying, no, 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 I want you, do you want me in return? Christianity is a response to his goodness, not, not an effort to try to get him to look in our direction. The eyes of the Lord go throughout the earth looking for people who have hearts for him. The question is now: we've got this varying reverse. If I go to church and I dress up and I look nice and I sound nice and I don't say bad words and I don't look at bad things, maybe at the last day God will look in my direction. That's just not how it works. All of history is elevating Jesus so we will see him and want him. This is Christianity. This is, do I want Jesus? is the paradigm shifter. Now it's interesting in the Bible, do you still have your, your finger in the Bible in Matthew, chapter 27, starting with verse 15. It's very interesting that the, the whole story of how Jesus was betrayed, crucified, dead, then raised again, the whole story has all kinds of rejection of Jesus in it. Did you, have you ever seen this? Jesus was literally betrayed by one of his closest friends for a bag of change. Now, I would rather have 30 pieces of silver than Jesus. Oh, I remember Jesus' friends. I'd rather have in the garden, the night that Jesus was sweating blood, he was so upset about what was about to happen, they'd rather have sleep than Jesus. Oh, but here's a story where an entire crowd has gathered to put Jesus to death, and it mesmerizes me. Let me read this to you, Matthew chapter 27, 15 to 17. Now at the feast, this was the Passover feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they listened to this, whom they wanted. Who do you want? The governor saying, this is Pilate. Who do you want? That is the question that the governor's saying. Everybody's assembled, who do you want? And every year, the people would choose one criminal from jail that he would release to them. Who do you, who do you want? Verse 16, and they had, they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Notorious means that he's famous for doing evil things. When you're notorious, you're usually not notorious for healing people and doing good. You're usually notorious for doing bad things. And in his case, he's an insurrectionist. He's of a a rebel-hearted nature. Wherever he's released, he stirs up people against others. This is Barabbas. They had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Look at verse 17. So when they had gathered, Pilate, the governor, said to them, Whom do you, listen to this again, look at this, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? Now let's stop right here for a second, guys, because when you've got Jesus and you're comparing him to Barabbas, come on, come on, Jesus who his entire life, especially the last three years, just went bringing light to darkness and life to deadness, raising people, calling them out of the grave, calling them out of trees and bringing repentance to their homes, blessing the sick, healing them of diseases that doctors just couldn't. The most hopeless found hope in Jesus. Parents didn't want to hide their kids from Jesus like they would Barabbas if he's out, right? Right? If Barabbas is out on the streets, you lock your doors and you keep your kids out of the front yard. When Jesus is on the street, you find him and throw your children at him. <laughs> That's what you should do with Jesus. Now, <laughs> how in the world would you want Barabbas, an insurrectionist, a, a murderer, a thief, that society is now feeling trepidatious about? Is that Jesus? But what happens here if we... Skip over to verse 21. The the governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, of all things, Barabbas. With one voice, give us Barabbas. Give us the insurrectionist. Give us the murderer. Give us the thief. We want Barabbas. Pilate doesn't understand this. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has been done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Kill the author of life. Give us the insurrectionist. I know. (laughs) Somebody's finally said it. Now, the Passover feast, like I said, the custom was to release somebody, but the custom was to release somebody that the people wanted. The word want really means desire. Who do you desire to have in your midst? Whose presence do you want to live in? Who do you want? Who do you desire? Who do you wish for? Who do you hope for? Who do you hope to possess? What do you want to hold, to look at, to feast on? Whose table do you want to sit at? What do you want? And the crowd decides we want the notorious, infamous, unhealthy, evil, rebellious, thieving murderer that will menace our society. We don't want Jesus. When they had gathered, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ. And this is the, the Crucial question to Christianity. The crucial question to Christianity is not a lot of things that we've made it. What what Christianity comes down to, as the Holy Spirit acts, asks us, "Who do you want? Who do you want? Who do you want?" He whispers, "Who do you want?" At the end of every defeat, I, I just believe the Holy Spirit is saying, "Hey, did that word." You sure you wanted that? Don't you really want Jesus? So, the answer to this question, who do you want, either produces sons and daughters or it produces slaves and orphans. The, the answer to this question either produces those who are free or those who are bound. The answer to this question either creates a society that operates in love or a society that operates in fear. The answer to this question either produces those who are lovesick for the inside out just being compelled to obey God or those who are religious to the core who are trying hard to follow God because they're scared. Who do you want? Who do you want? Verse 21 is the strangest thing to me. We want Barabbas. What about Jesus? Kill Jesus. Give us Barabbas. Is this not, is this not the most odd thing yet it is so appropriate this didn't happen once this is our story when offered Jesus we want the criminal when offered Jesus something in our soul says he can't satisfy like she can when offered Jesus there's something in us that just does not believe that it could be that simple as just receiving love. It's really our greatest problem Problem here. Our greatest problem is not that we're underperforming for God. God never set us up to perform for him. God's not like that. He doesn't need a performance. He, he creates universes with just the word of his mouth. He invites us to sing for him and dance for him and shout for him and be a part of him, but it's not so he can be entertained. We're not underperforming for God. Here's, here's our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is that we are underpreferring Jesus. And when offered the two, we just want the other. This is what Christianity is built on, guys. This is what it is. So many of us have received a gospel that says, hey, you don't want to go to hell, do you? You want to go to heaven with Aunt Marge. Oh, yeah, I loved Aunt Marge. Yeah, she's a good baker. Well, why wouldn't I do that and get my own place while I'm at it? Well, Receive Jesus. But Christianity isn't about Aunt Marge or streets of gold or new places. In fact, the Bible says that heaven is wherever Jesus is for his sons and daughters. They just, he's the treasure of the universe. He is. Yeah. Here's the gospel is not that we get heaven first and foremost, the gospel is that we get Jesus who offers himself to us. That we actually, but but we actually want other things other than him. That is our great problem. When offered Jesus, we want the second rate. When offered Jesus, who's the treasure of the universe, there's nobody like them. The Bible says in Colossians that he made us for himself, not meaning that he, that he needs us, but that we were made to need him, and he gets so much glory from our feasting on him. This is, this is why church doesn't work. It's because we just want to go to heaven and want to use God to make our life smooth, but that's not what it is. The Christian says, if I have Jesus, I'll go through any valley. I just want Jesus. I just want him. The same story is in in the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 23 starting with verse 18 where it says, they all cried out together, that's the crowd, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. We want him released into us. Release him. Set him free. He's not in a grave, he's in a prison. We want him released. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. Now Pilate knew that there was no guilt in Jesus, but he decides to opt for the applause of the crowd over Jesus. And so Jesus right in front of his face, if Judas wasn't enough, if his disciples weren't enough, if the whole crowd wasn't enough, now the the governor is choosing the crowd over him. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted, and he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Now, I'm coming back to this very strange question. Who do you want? Obviously, Pilate didn't want Jesus. Obviously, Judas didn't want Jesus. Obviously, the crowd didn't want Jesus. Obviously, in some respects, the His disciples didn't want Jesus. You you do know that after Peter uh, lopped off a dude's ear named Malchus and then Jesus healed it, and Jesus said, Peter, put down your sword. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know, Peter ran off and then, then denied Jesus three times. Over and over and over again, Jesus is being hurt by this. Who do you want? Barabbas, a murderer on the loose? releasing a tormentor, a man that changes society by making us lock our doors, a man that changes society by making us hide our kids, a man that changes society by making us hide our valuables, or Jesus who heals diseases, or Jesus who runs to the oppressed, or Jesus who restores families, or Jesus who sees those on the fringes, or Jesus who speaks life to those who think they've got nothing left coming back to this question that our greatest wound is not our inability to perform but our inability to see jesus as the treasure that he is in fact is and then want him subsequently to see him and want him i remember experiencing this uh i I was a pastor's kid when i was a kid i remember experiencing this when i heard that you're supposed to go to church and you're supposed to give money in the offering plate which we just did and actually, a good healthy thing of is the, the Bible tells us to give hilariously, laughing, saying, this promised to make me happy, but it doesn't, so I'm using it for the kingdom. Amen. Jesus has captured my attention and arrested my heart. And I don't need this for happiness. I'm using this as a tool. That's worship with giving. But here, I remember being a little kid, I, uh, my granddad gave me a 50-cent piece. You remember those? I think I had JFK on the front. I loved it. I'd keep it in a pocket. I'd flip it around, flip it around, flip it around, play with it, throw it at my brother, <laughs> make him eat it, then Heimlich him, get him back up. You know, I, I never did that, but I should have. Um, <laughs> but I remember having this 50 p- cent piece, and it was really on my heart to give it as the plate passed around. I remember this is the, this is the first time I remember sinning. <laughs> the plate comes around, I feel compelled to give it, but as it passes, I hold on to it. And what I was doing is, and it's not a big, heinous sin, guys, but listen to this. It doesn't seem like that. But when we're conditioning our hearts to trust what we can hold instead of Jesus who would hold us. That is really what sin is. Sin is not missing the mark like I didn't shoot accurately. Sin is missing the mark like I set my affections on something that wasn't big enough for them. I set my affections on something that cannot, in fact, satisfy I remember holding on to that. I, I still remember that moment where I, where I chose that over giving it. Now, the grace of God is huge, and I'm not living in that moment anymore, but I'm telling you, the enemy is after our souls in this area. It seems crazy to think that anyone would choose anything else over Jesus, but it's common. I know I've already said this, guys, but the night before Jesus' crucifixion, Judas chose Jesus for uh, chose. Thirty pieces of silver over Jesus and it's it's so simple to have our hearts captured by lesser loves do you know what I'm saying do you know what I'm saying and so my question this morning with the last few moments that I have and thanks so much for for listening but I think that God wants to do something more than just have you listen to me sweat in front of you right don't, don't you think that God has the power to take your heart and change it in such a way that you may have come in loving 50 cents, but you're going to leave loving a new and better treasure? This is what God can do. So, so what do we do about this? And here in the Bible, First John, chapter four verses nine and 10 tells us what to do. And I I love this because it's not try harder to treasure Jesus more. You've just got to get up first thing in the morning and you've got to begin to go, go, go. That is not how a heart is set ablaze for Jesus. You don't try to love. You don't try to obey. You don't don't command yourself to, to buck up and do it as if God loved your heartless obedience. Look at 1 John chapter 4 starting with verse nine, it says this, and this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. It goes on to say, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now hold the biblical phone. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean that it's not about effort? What do you mean it's not about religion? What do you mean it's not about trying? Here's, here's all I'm saying, is that since the Bible says, and this is love, not that we have loved God, not that we have treasured God first, but God loved us first, and he proved it by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, that's a big, in other words, that's a big word for saying that Jesus satisfied everything that stood in between us and the Father. And so if you want to treasure Jesus, what you first have to do is you have to receive the love of God that came to you first. You hear this? You have to receive the love of God that came to you first. Let me just say it again, that you have to receive the love of God that came to you first, guys. And this is love, not that we have loved God. What religion tells you is that you've got to try your best to love God. And hopefully he'll turn his chair. But what Jesus tells us and demonstrated is, is, though you rejected me multiple times, here's what I'm doing. I'm loving you in return. So when you look at the cross, the cross shouldn't speak rejection to us. The cross speaks the love of God towards us, though we rejected Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So listen listen to this. While we chose everything else over him, he came after us. This is the goodness of God. Choosing 30 silver coins. Choosing Barabbas. I think so many of us know what it is to choose a Barabbas. All of us have a, a Barabbas in our life. All of us have that person that we we're gonna missionary date, lead him to Jesus, but it was the opposite that happened. They, they left us so far gone and hurt and miserable. We all have a Barabbas in our life that we something that that haunts us from the past into the into the present and we're afraid is always gonna be with us into our future. We've all got a Barabbas, but I want to tell you who is greater than Barabbas is a man named Jesus who first loved us and now is wooing us. With his love. I'm first loving you. So, in other words, I want you to receive my love and then I want you to respond to it. A Christian is really someone that's just a responder to God, lovesick, that has said, Jesus, I give you my whole life. I'm seeing that you are greater. And I'm sorry for how I've chosen the small things over you. And I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Jesus doesn't go to the cross because you performed well. There's a few people on planet earth that have performed well. I see who they are, dying for those people. That's not it. Jesus goes to the cross to say, here's how big my love is. I, even, I die for, for sinners who reject me because I want them. I want them. I want them. It's the release of God's love is your release into your life. Do you hear this? The release of God's love over you, the release of God's love at the cross is your release. Then, especially the release of God's love is the release of the Son of God raised to newness of life. And do you know what Jesus did when he woke up from death, raised? As he took his burial garment and he left it in the grave. It's better to leave your grave naked than leave your grave with your old clothes of death on, amen? And so many of us, well, we've been raised, but we're, we're wearing our old stuff, the, the effort stuff, the trying stuff, the pretending stuff, and we're walking around raised but still dressed like we're not. And Jesus said, take it off. I've got new days for you. I've got new dreams for you. And God is doing this all around us, guys. Almost every single week, I hear about just the, the outbreak of God on another person, You know, one of my favorite stories in this church is a man named Sam Faringer. He's standing right back there. Could you just stand to your feet for one second, Sam? Could you do that? I know I'm putting you on the spot, man, but I like you, man, and we like you. Can you hear it for Sam? There he is. (laughs) Yeah. So Sam is is one of these, he's been at Providence for about a year and a half. And uh, for 60 years of his life, he rejected Jesus. (laughs) 60 years of his life, he said, no, I'd rather have this. Barabbas and me are better. <laughs> but a year and a half, he came to Providence. And just the love of God just pelted the man, pounded the man. And now, Sam is one of the most encouraging people. He's given his whole life to Jesus and he's following him. And I'm telling you, he's so changed. He's so changed. This is what <laughs> Jesus does with the life. I, uh, I was, my daughter Grace found these old videos of, of me and my wife Adrian from when we were 18 at the prom. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I was looking at them and I was preparing, uh, comparing, you know, this is old. <laughs> I was comparing the 40-year-old version of me to the 18-year-old version of me. I-, I, about, I weigh about two or three more pounds today than I did then, you know what I'm saying? Added zero. Or two, I don't know. But I was looking at that, I was like, oh man, like, like I, oh I was really something back there. Had crazy awesome hair. You know? And uh, I remember looking at that and I was just like, I remember turning to Adrian and saying, sorry. <laughs> she said, You better be a boy. Like, look at me, you know, no. <laughs> because Adrian, on the other hand, <laughs> looks way better today than she did then. All right? And I'm not lying. But you know what Adrian spoke into me? She spoke to Father's heart. She says, Uh, I chose you, and I would do it again. And she hasn't stopped telling me since that happened on Thursday that you look better to me today than you did back then. I begin to flex, (laughs) smile, (laughs) hug, kiss. It was awesome, you know, so good. But what what Adrian was speaking to me is what, what God is speaking to you. He said, I'm not comparing you to your past. I'm not comparing you to anybody else. I just whatever season that you're in right now, I want you. I choose you. I want you. Would you come home? Do you know the Bible says that Jesus doesn't just give us resurrection. Jesus is the re- uh, resurrection. The Bible just doesn't say that Jesus gives us life. The Bible says that Jesus is the life. And so if you want to operate in resurrection, if you want Jesus over Barabbas, you're, you're, not, you're not just getting some gifts. You're getting a man. You're getting a person that has better promises than any Barabbas that, that has ever been in your life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He said, I choose you. I want you right now in your season. You don't have to clean up. I clean you up. You don't have to smell better. I'm going to take care of things from here on out. You're going to be lovesick. And I'm going to change you from the inside out. So because of Jesus, you can have him, though you rejected him. This is good news. This is, this is resurrection. You get the best person that you originally rejected. We made the wrong decision. But that didn't stop Jesus from coming to us and settling the score. We don't have to perform for him. He's not looking to use us as servants. He wants us as daughters and sons. Is this good news? I think it is. Amen? (laughs) Guys. (laughs) Good. So, uh. We get excited about this around here because this is so real. This is why I have to, man, I have to be on guard for my tears because my heart's been so broken over who I was. But it's, it's, so, it's so increasingly alive to Jesus. And uh, so good around here. So many of us are so full of the, the love of Jesus. And I just wanna say there's more. We never arrive. Keep a, a soft heart towards him. Just let him keep pouring into you. Others of us, though, we only know what it is to try hard for God. And so I just want to ask you this morning, no matter what place in life you are, no matter where you found yourself, I don't care if you've taught Sunday school before. I really don't care. What I care about is have you chosen Barabbas or Jesus? And so this morning, whether you know stuff about Jesus, whether you've taught children on a felt board, and like these are the Ten Commandments, kids. See, look, here's Miriam. Look, oh, wow, she's nice. You know, like those Aunt Marges, you know what I'm saying? I, I Listen, I don't care what you know. I care who you want. So I, I want to in, invite you all this morning, like maybe, maybe for the first time for some of us. For the first time for some of us. I, I want to I ask you what the Spirit's been asking throughout time. You want Jesus? You want Jesus? There's a lot of other Barabbas in the life. You can walk out of here and be happy for a, a few years, kind of. But if you want Jesus, it's gonna change you and it's gonna take you. It's gonna mess you up in the best possible way. But you're gonna find out it's what your soul is made for. You want Jesus? Do you want, do you want Jesus? It's the question. And if, if, that, if the answer to that question is a no for you, just be honest. Just stop pretending that you know the man. Just go do your thing, yo. All right, we'll keep praying for you, right? Follow the cowboys or the eagles or someone. Just kind of you know, go, do your thing, right? But if you want Jesus, if you want Jesus, you know the best thing that you can say this morning? is, Jesus, I give you my life. Yeah. See, the, the gospel isn't so much you asking Jesus to come in as it's, it's you giving him everything you've got and trusting him with it. I give you my past, all my sins. I give you my my right now. I give you every moment. I give you my future. I'm not the the captain of my own ship anymore. I'm trusting you that you are a better treasure than I am. I, I, I just give you everything, God. This is trust. This is faith. Turn the affections of my heart on God to see you as the treasure that you are. That's what you do. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Just close our eyes just for a moment. I just want to ask you one last time. Do you want Jesus? You want Jesus? You want to give him your life? You want Jesus? I just wonder if there's people in the, in the room this morning that just for the first time, you'd say, a very bold, "I want Jesus. I've been rejecting him all my life, but if he'll still take me, I want him right now. Anybody like that in the house? Anybody be so bold that you could just kind of put your hand up and I'm not going to call you up. I just want to celebrate. I just want you to see that. I want Jesus, I'll take him i want to give him my whole life. There we are. Wow, yeah, there we are. There we go. Yeah, anybody else? I'll take Jesus. I want Jesus. He's a better treasure. He's a better treasure. He's not, he, he, Barabbas's have failed me miserably. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Heavenly Father, God, there's at least 20 hands that went up there. We just, we just bless you. We give, we give you a round of applause right now, God. We bless you. And Heavenly Father, I, I just, uh, I, I pray into this, this group right now. I just pray for just fresh winds of your spirit in these days to not tell us who we're not, but to speak into us who we can be. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us, we would be found running out of our graves into the life that you have for us. where disappointment, despair, discouragement, depression, all these things that used to define us, God. Now we've got a man who defines us. His name is Jesus. God, yeah, I just pray that we would, we would find so much life in that. I just pray you bless people, God. Bless people this day. Fill us up with a, uh, a passion and a newness like never before. God, I thank you for every life that it matters to you, every person that they matter to you. Bless them. Fill them, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.